When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Staying in to watch the sport? Let us cook. Get your Macca's favourites delivered with McDelivery. Kick back and relax. It's time for The Run Home with Kirsten Beef. and welcome to The Run Home. It is with great sadness that we would like to start our show tonight acknowledging the tragic news that you would have heard in the news bulletin just before the passing of apprentice jockey Megan Taylor, who has died after a racing incident in Ashburton today. Here's what we know. The 26-year-old was riding Red Orchid when a four-horse fall occurred while entering the straight. She was pronounced dead soon after the rest of the meeting was abandoned. Investigations are now underway. Megan was in her third season of riding, had ridden 16 winners. This is, of course, a tragic day for the industry. Racing Minister Kira McAnulty has said, I'm incredibly saddened to hear about the passing of jockey Megan Taylor during a race this afternoon. I want to pass on my deepest sympathies to Megan's family and friends and to all of those in the industry who worked alongside her and knew her. Bruce Sharrick, the CEO of New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing, has also released a statement saying our deepest sympathies are with Megan's family, friends and others in the racing community who have worked closely with Megan. We will look to support them in any way possible in the coming days and weeks. We will also support the jockeys and others who were at the races today. The SNZ whānau shares those thoughts, our deepest condolences, our sincere thoughts and our hearts are with Megan's family, her friends and those closest to her. Kia ora and welcome to The Run Home on SENZ this Thursday the 15th of December. Kim Downs in the hot seat this afternoon alongside Mitch McLennigan will be taking you through your Arvo and my goodness Mitch, great timing really all things considered to have you in here on what is such a massive day in cricketing news. New Zealand's captain Kane Williamson standing down from his test duties. Tim Southey will be our new test captain for the Black Caps. I will just take your initial thoughts straight off the bat. 
Oh, I wasn't expecting it, to be fair. Um, look, hey, it's caught me on the hop. Um, and like a lot of New Zealand fans, I think it would have. Um, but some time to reflect. And, and throughout the show, I'm sure we'll pull it apart a little bit more. Um, look, I, I, I think it could be the first cracks we've seen in, in Gary Stead um, in terms of the direction that he's initially said. Uh, with this testing, um, but more conservative in mind, and and seeing the way England's played over the last little while, uh, maybe they're going to go a little bit more aggressive with someone like a Tim Southey. Mm. Let me read out some of the stats uh, for Kane in his role as Test captain. 40 tests, leading New Zealand as captain, 22 wins, 8 draws and 10 losses. That makes a 55% win rate, easily the best of any New Zealand skipper. He was, of course, at the helm when New Zealand won the World Test Championship in 2021. So why is he stepping down? I think we have him talking about this uh, in his own words earlier today. No, we don't. Uh, however, that's all right because we've got Mitch McClinigan <laughs> to fill in his own words for him. Kane <laughs> probably won't want me speaking for him. But <laughs> look, uh, to be honest, I reckon there's bugger all for him to to achieve in mm. the test format as a skipper. You know, uh, I think what we're seeing is that he's directing himself towards the next two World Cups, which are one day World Cup and the T20 World Cup, which he'll want to try and win another a white ball championship, right? So he's going to direct his energy in that. For me, the sad part about it is, are we going to see him rested in test tours? Like Bolte's obviously made that decision. So is that something that's on the card, cards when you give away mm. a test captaincy? So he said he wants to continue as a specialist batter and he mentioned mm. those things as well, right? The pinnacle event's coming up and they've had all these discussions and they've decided that that's where he best focuses attention because it is captaining your nation across all three formats. It is draining. It is a high workload. You could argue that you're compensated for that, but that doesn't take away from what the work does to you. So maybe in a way this comes as a blessing uh, in some way that it allows him to focus on his batting when it comes to this test side as he still is one of our best batters. I think initially, I think he was probably a reluctant skipper. Um, I, I think there was that, obviously with Baz taking the captaincy off Ross, I think there was supposed to be a natural succession where Baz was going to skipper, Ross would skip, and then Kane would come into the role now or the last couple of years, you know. Um, and I think that got skipped, and I think he was a reluctant skipper at the time. I think he's been a fantastic skipper for us over the time that he has been the captain. I mean, those numbers that you read out before, mm. 50% win rate in Test cricket is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I, I, I just think it's... Getting back to batting, and, and we've seen this form dip in, in recent times, um, and maybe that is just that pressure of being skipper and, and being that person that everyone needs to talk to and the whole time rather than being able to focus on his trade, which is, is going out and scoring a truckload of runs. All right, let's now hear from the man himself, Kane Williamson. It's sort of been an ongoing discussion, not specifically formats, but workload, um, wanting to keep making sure I'm putting uh, my energy in, in the right places and with... Um, major events um, next year it kind of transpired the, the way it has and, and so we've sort of made that decision and um, very fortunate within the environment to have so many other great leaders and really exciting to to see Tim take over the the test team and looking forward to supporting him. You talk about the work workload how much extra especially off-field stuff comes with that role of being test captain? What's Tim in for? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, great question. Um, yeah, I mean, it does come with, um, you know, a lot of added work and, and responsibilities. And um, like Tim mentioned, it is a privilege and an honour, um, but a challenge as well. And, um, and you are well supported, and I have been over the years, but 
Um, I think when you do do it for a long period of time um, with so much cricket on that um, the, the volume and the nature of it that I think it is a really nice opportunity to, to share that and Tim's been a big part of the, the leadership of this environment for a while and, and so he's um, largely aware of um, some of those added parts to, to the role that he's um, taking over so uh, yeah it's, it's exciting um, and a, a great opportunity and like I say looking forward to, to working alongside Tim. Alright Mitch so you hear Kane talking there. You've mentioned before, you know, Tim Southey's era might uh, feature slightly more aggressive approaches. What else can we expect from a Tim Southey captaincy? Well, I mean, uh, he's pretty much best mates with Baz, right? So <laughs> I think a lot of his approach to cricket is going to follow what Baz does. And and I wonder if, if Gary has seen, seen the writing on the wall that um, this is the way forward with Test Cricket. Um, and the style of cricket that we're going to have to play to be able to compete or maybe even win or win that next World Chess Championship. So I think that could be on the cards. I think he's going to be super aggressive with his declarations, uh, far less conservative than um, Stead and Kane have be, been previously. Um, Canterbury would never, ever declare when Stead was in charge unless they had 350, 400 runs on the board. Uh, I don't think we'll see that with, with, with Tim. I think he'll take that Baz approach of uh, you've, got to, you've got to try and um, you've got to be happy to lose a game if you want to win it so I think that'll be the style Well that's very interesting that you make that comment in the wake of course of England's tour of Pakistan, tester of Pakistan and mm. Tim's first venture as the official test captain, not his first time captaining of course but in this role on a permanent basis will be over in Pakistan so do you mm. think he's uh, paid attention to that series and taken heed of what's happened there? Oh, absolutely. He would have traded messages of bads multiple times, I'd imagine, um, and what's worked from that tour. So I think you're going to have a leader going into that tour who who knows exactly what's got to happen. Kane will just slot into that Joe Root style that they've got on their side, and it's how Tim picks his team around that. I, I, is he going? Is he going to play Glenn Phillips as that aggressor in the middle order to do what Harry Brooks did, score score a hundred at, at, at 110, 120 strike rates? So that's the exciting part to me. Is that first Test team that rolls out on on paper and that Test tour is going to be a Tim Southey Test team? Hopefully, mm. hopefully not a not a Kane Williamson Gary Stead Test team. Now, does that also potentially lead into some reasoning? Because I. Th- think a lot of people would be asking, fairly, why Tim has been named over Tom Latham. Tom's captained the Black Caps in the test side, I think, six of the last ten tests. He probably yep. had every right to think that he was going to be stepping up. He retains that role of the vice-captaincy. Gary Stead today was quoted as saying, we've got great leaders, two of them are here, referring to Kane and Tim who are in that press conference, and Tom is another one, and there are others in our team as well. I guess we just discussed all the different options and put them out there. In the end, we felt Tim's experience, and I guess a little bit of a feeling of a bowling position as well, is slightly different. It's got nothing to do with bowling position at all. I think um, on the surface of it, like they can say what they want, but in all honesty, you've got... You've got a mass exodus of your senior players um, to to encourage one of your senior players to take an even more senior role. Um, and Ty's ne- Tim's never kept in a test match. I'd imagine growing up, that's all he's wanted to do as well, being such a cricket, test cricket advocate. I think that's a big carrot. Um, there's a small match fee addition that he gets <laughs> gets for being the test captain as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if if they're trying to, to trying to keep as much on the table for Tim Southey as they possibly can because if you lose Tim Southey in this New Zealand team at the moment and Kane doesn't play as much, um, then 
all your experience is gone. Mm. So I think they're they're looking at trying to give status such, uh, for people like Tim Southey. Um, and in my opinion, I think he thoroughly deserves it. And and I also think it's a it's a do we want to change the style of Test cricket that we're going to play? What's going to be more competitive for New Zealand uh, um, going forward with the with the stocks we've got coming through? Um, can we complete playing? Uh, can we compete playing traditional test cricket or do we need to look at England and play more of a white ball type mm. format in test cricket? You mentioned the experience there and the importance of keeping that within this New Zealand setup, and that did make me think of, I guess, the broader perspective too, right? Which is that in this year we have seen Trent Bolt hand in his New Zealand cricket contract. We've seen Martin Guptill, we've seen Colin de Grandholm, Jimmy Neesham hasn't accepted one because he's off playing in T20 franchises that he'd mm. already signed for. Fair play, uh, all of them. But do you think as well... Perhaps it's not calculated, but is it at least a blessing and a silver lining in, in a lot of this that this means surely his services are secured from a New Zealand perspective for at least the next few years? Well, I, uh, I heard rumours a couple of weeks ago that there was an op- there's a few opportunities being thrown Tim's, Tim's way, like like Balti and, and Nish, and, and that he could be on, on the on the way out potentially. And this is obviously something that they have used to, to secure him. And um, when I heard the rumours that he could potentially go, and you know, there are only rumours. They probably they could be true. They could not be true. When I heard the rumours, I didn't think he would go because with Bolte out of the picture, um, I think he's got numbers that he's trying to chase down. He wants to be the leading Test wicket taker of uh, for New Zealand all time, mm. I'd imagine. So I think that alone probably kept them with New Zealand and now the test captaincy is going to help that as well. Mm. It is quite striking as well, I think, with Tim because he is grafted for a long time for New Zealand. He has been a long time servant of the game for the Black Caps. How stoked do you think he was to get that call? Uh, yeah, I guess he'll be immensely proud. Um, generally, when you, as an athlete, when you get picked for your country and um, and a captaincy honour as well, it's um, it can probably have more of an effect on your family, um, the people around you, the people who have supported you whole your mm. whole life. And I think that's probably the case with Tim. He's like Steady said or Kane said um, that he's been in a leadership role with New Zealand for a long period of time. He's captain the other formats. So I think it's probably more about the family, how how mm. stoked they'll be, an achievement he can tick off for them and see their joy of him getting that. But he is such a huge advocate of Test cricket. He, on, honestly, I don't know if you can go through an uh, interview with Tim and him saying that Test cricket isn't the mm. pinnacle. <laughs> that's another <laughs> thing he learned from Baz. <laughs> Starting in a T20 series, eh? the outset you know, of a oh, big yeah, T20 yeah. world cup. Yeah, we love test, T20 so. cricket, yeah, but uh, <laughs> Test is the pinnacle, eh? So, so looking forward to that. So yeah, I think uh, to, to have that feather in his cap will, will be, you know, it's a short list of people who've, who've capped in the country, right? Mm. You touched on Tom Latham before. I think he's a bit unlucky, right? Like, why, why did... Why did Tim get skipped? Mm. Like I, I don't I understand. And the only the only thing I can understand is that um, Southie's got a different outlook on cricket than Tom does. He's very much more in line with with um, Steady um, and and Kane's philosophy. And I and I think um, they must be looking. They honestly, if you're going to pick Tim as captain, you mm. must be looking at playing the game in a different way. Mm. Uh, text in here. How much has IPL played into this and in stopping Tim going off chasing T20 money? Which is what we were what we were touching on earlier before. I mean, it's very speculative, isn't it? Um, yes and no. I guess um, you know it's, we could be in a different situation if Tim didn't get retained by KKR. 
this year. You know, he's got that 150,000 US that it's guaranteed, a, a nice little buffer. Um, you know, but he's he's made some serious cash um, over the time. Just playing, he's played since he was 18, so he's been in the game a very, very long time. IPL has definitely probably enabled him to stay playing test cricket a little bit longer rather than the guys who haven't got big money in IPL. Um, but I think I think his passion for ch- chasing records um, and seeing the opportunity that... Um, yeah, seeing the opportunity that he can probably change the face of Test cricket, a um, bit like Baz has done for England, I think that's a big opportunity mm. for him as well. Very much so. We will be talking plenty more about this because, like I say, it's just great timeliness that Mitch McLennigan is on the show. So any questions you might have around this situation or about that Test team as a whole, do send them our way. We'll be taking calls a little bit later on too. Uh, and the man himself, Brendan McCullum, will be on breakfast tomorrow too to discuss it all. So make sure you stay tuned in for that as well. Uh, also making news today, though, of course, the FIFA semi-finals continue. Been overshadowed somewhat by this captaincy news now. Uh, but France making it through, they will get the chance to defend that World Cup in the final against Argentina. Here's how they did it. Moves forward again. France starting to try and pull, push Morocco back. And the pass has found Griezmann. He's inside the area. Cuts it back inside. Shot is blocked. First time. Second shot. Takes a deflection. Bono's off his line. And it's in for France. The early goal. It's Teo Hernandez in the fifth minute of this semi-final. And Morocco were pushed all the way back on their heels. France bearing down hard. Teo Hernandez in space on the left side of the box. And he has wheeled it in. Shifts back onto his right foot. Here's Mbappe getting through the traffic. Getting a shot away. Back post. And that should be it. It's Randall Colomirani. Who might have just sealed France's passage into the World Cup final. The sub. His first touch since being brought on he's only been on for a matter of seconds and he has put france 2-0 up randall colo muani his first goal in french colors well the moroccan dream has come to an end what a fairy tale run that was though just getting to the semi-final amazing effort the first african nation to do so Hats off to them. They understandably looked absolutely devastated at the end of it, but I don't think you could have asked or expected anything more from them, right? I thought um, their whole run, their whole campaign has been phenomenal. Just mm. The story of Croatia and Morocco has just been such a, a great joy to watch, knocking off some big, big dogs, eh? some serious sides. <laughs> serious yeah, sides. serious sides. Now, so. can I also get a verdict from you here, though? Because when it comes to this final on Monday, France-Argentina... Uh, I am very much all aboard the Messi bandwagon. Are uh, you? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> go on, be contrarian. Tell me that you're going for France. Oh, I'm going for France. I'm going to <laughs> surprise, surprise, My shock, guy. shock. Yeah, no, I'm going to go for France. Yeah, yeah. I think, okay, uh, why? Uh, because like Poms like to have a whinge, right? Mm-hmm. And I just think if they'll they'll whinge a little bit less if they lost to the eventual winner. So I'm not, I've got a few Pommy friends, um, so I don't want to have to go through. <laughs> so at least if they lose to the winner, the eventual winner, they might be able to swallow the pill a little bit better. 
I love asking you these questions because I know you will always have some sort of weird and wonderful uh, way of having, get, <laughs> having gotten to that thought. It's not, oh, I just really love Mbappe. It's not, oh, I'd love to see another team go back to back at last. It's, yeah, I just reckon my pom friends will wind Everyone has that pommy friend out there, eh, who just yeah, stops whingy. But they will feel a lot better if France do win, that's for sure. <laughs> that is true. I will feel a lot better if Argentina win. Uh, when I say I will feel a lot better, purely because I am here for the fairy tale. I am here for the Lionel Messi has never won a World Cup. This is most likely his last chance. He is getting to play this final. Surely some piece of Lionel Messi magic happens in this final that gets him this fairy tale end. Surely. Do you think if um, he wins and when he celebrates he'll go, see? <laughs> I don't know what he'll do. He'll probably cry. Very emotional, the Argentinians, aren't they? There'll be a lot of tears, I think. But can you imagine what the nation of Argentina will be like if they do go on to win that? It'll be chaos. You won't be able to walk down the streets of Buenos Aires without getting chopped by someone, probably. <laughs> That'll be awesome. We'll be partying for a long, long oh. time, eh? Long, long time. I saw... Uh, we actually We actually have some, some audio as well. Uh, they The fans are... We don't have it. Uh, sorry, we don't have the, the audio. <laughs> jokes, um, jokes. But we'll find it for you because it's actually quite um, spine-tingling. The fans are outside Messi's uh, grandma's house chanting Messi and singing songs about Lionel Messi. So I thought that was pretty awesome. Mm. That whole, Well, actually, but a little bit scary. They don't know where his grandma lives. <laughs> yeah, slightly frightening, although it doesn't surprise me in the slightest at the same time. Uh, and it's also quite nice because I think, you know, in the World Cup, the first World Cup after Maradona, died as well. There's a lot of similarities and a lot of comparisons obviously being made between the two, as there often are when you're mm. comparing two greats of the game. And it's not necessarily about who's better and what era and that sort of thing, but just looking at the way in which they have led the side, looking at their respective World Cup, well, in Maradona's case, winning campaigns yeah. uh, and the role that they had in getting them to that final and then in the final and whether or not that will then be reflected in this one. I just, oh, I love it. Oh, Maradona was such a such a great competitor, right? Mm. He's, um, you know, I really just hope the Argentinians take his white line fever into that final. Right, coming up on our Macca's menu, thanks to McDelivery on the show tonight, we are talking all things cricket. We'll also have some Halberg's chat later on because the long list of nominees is out and we do love to debate who's going to win a Halberg, don't we? We will have one of those nominees on the show after five as well. Ajaz Patel joining us then. First, though, uh, we'll have Brendan Popperwell from the TAB. Andrew Newstub, who's been off the seventh circuit for a while due to injury, is now coaching a secondary schools team, will be joining us later, as will Ricky Herbert, to discuss all things Football World Cup. Drive to Survive coming at you as well this evening. That's our Macca's menu. Thanks to McDelivery, delivering your Macca's favourite straight to your door. Just hearing Johnny Mac on the news there talking about the breakers. You know, that was almost triggering for me. I thought we'd pass the point where COVID manages to mess with sport quite that much. Never mind. Whatever. It's back. It's back. It's causing chaos. And I was so looking forward to a potential breakers revenge game uh, against Cora Webster and the the Wildcats as well. A lot of the cricketers are playing with COVID. Joe Burns the other day, uh, Stoinis as well. Different um, rules though, right? Because in New Zealand it's still seven days of isolation. Oh, and so it? that's what uh, is really hurting them. Also, yeah, yeah. But also, I suppose the, uh, oh, I don't know. When I got it back in, what, April, 
I was pretty tired and I don't think I would have been up for playing any sort of sport personally. Maybe that's just me. Uh, you know my, you know who might have a different view? Brendan Popplewell, who joins us now from the TAB. How are you, BP? I'm good, thanks, team. Yeah, how are we going? Obviously, um, we've all missed that on the, on the golf gig. Yeah, yeah, the uh, Grins Invitational. Grins yeah, the yeah, Invitational yeah. invite yeah. did not extend to the three of us. Uh, <laughs> does Beaver follow you on Instagram? Because he doesn't follow me. <laughs> he does. I've, I've, I've certainly seen what's been happening there. It looks like a lot of fun. Um, so I'm sure I saw, I did see Kirst nail a big drive. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. she up her, um, her claims of the big drive last week. Yeah, she has been having a bit of chat about that, hasn't she? That she's uh, driving yeah. it kind of on the regular over 200 now. Yeah. 257 yeah, yeah, no. on Remuera Golf Course, apparently. Correct. Stay humble. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. She looked the part as well, so that's all. That's also um, all part of golf, isn't it? Turning up in, in your number one. So, um, no, it looks like they're having a good time there. But, um, look, it's all about the football, isn't it? And we're all counting down to the to the World Cup final, and punters are already betting uh, is, is probably what we can talk about here because a match that is very divided around all three options Mm. Uh, and I'm talking about the head-to-head market here. Argentina, 280. France, 270 favourites. And the draw, $2.88. Now, this match, uh, already we have taken money on the draw. We've taken money on either team to win on penalties as well at $4.50 uh, in method of victory. Uh, so punters out there are just, uh, believing this one might be a bit of a tight one and go beyond the 90 minutes. Uh, with what we've seen with that early betting so far. As long as it's not a go beyond the 90 minutes because of a nil all scoreline, I'll be happy with that one, especially if we're yeah. waking up at 4am to watch it. <laughs> yeah, correct, correct. <laughs> yeah, look, in terms of overall who's going to win it, um, to lift the cup, uh, Argentina is $1.95 and France one eighty-five. Well, actually, our best support in that market has been with Argentina. Uh, we have had a lot of money in our outright market after their first loss, funny enough, after they lost their very first game of the tournament, they blew out to about $9.50. Mm. And we had a lot of support at that price of nine fifty, And it meant that the market started moving to about six fifty, And then from there on in, yes, Brazil was the worst result. But Argentina and France were certainly the, uh, the next two results underneath Brazil, uh, where there was a lot of money in that outright market. Uh, biggest bet on... France, we took throughout the World Cup, was 3500 uh, on them to win. Uh, and that was, what was that price? That was around sort of $6, I think it was $6.50, $7. So, uh, yeah, there's a couple of nice tickets floating out there on, on the final. Do you tend to see, BP, when it comes to these big events, a lot of movement in those head-to-head numbers? Or would you expect that they'll be fairly similar throughout the weekend? Yep. Yeah, I think there'll be movement. Yeah, I really do. And and I think punters will look, like I said, will look at all three options. So I, I feel as though everyone's going to have an opinion one way or the other, which one this way they'll go. And we might even see a shift in, in favouritism um, or it might be just a, a little tighten here and there. But I, I really do believe that we're going to take money on, on all three options here quite strong. So by the time tomorrow rolls around, we'll get more of an idea on that uh, because obviously this market's only been open a few hours. Uh, with a couple of $500 bets, but the biggest bets, but a lot of small bets mm. individually on the draw, and Argentina, and as I said, on that, that method of victory, being 
either team to win a penalty. So, yeah, watch this space. Well, BP, if you were going to choose a side to mitigate the rising cost of living, um, <laughs> who would you be putting your money on? Look, I'm, I'm with Argentina. I've sort of, yes, uh, BP. All the way through. So uh, maybe I've, I've got the soft spot of, of uh, just looking for that romantic finish uh, with, with Messi. Uh, that, that's where I'm leaning very, very slightly. Um, I've just enjoyed what they've done to uh, out on the park. But gee, France... They would also provide a story themselves, wouldn't they, if they were able to go back-to-back? So if you're purely coming from an unbiased position, it will be a great watch, but I'll with Argentina just. Perfect. Then we've got a bit of other sport going on around, mate. Um, a BBL's just kicked yeah. off. Um, is that market starting to heat up? Yeah, it is actually, yeah. And it's the, the first game, I, I'll be honest, it wasn't a lot of interest around uh, sort of the head-to-head markets and that. And, and look, the, the Big Bash does go for a fair period of time and maybe punters... Uh, just want to see a few games and get a bit of an idea on things. But we have seen a bit of money for tonight's game where the Brisbane Heat are $2.15 uh, outsiders against the Melbourne Renegades mm. for $1.65. And we've actually seen a bit of money for, for the Brisbane Heat uh, in this one. And we've also taken some money around our boosted option, uh, which, of course, is around Colin Munro, uh, who's playing for the Brisbane Heat. Uh, his, his price has been boosted to $4.50 to be top run scorer for the Brisbane Heat. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mitch. Is this his first game for for Brisbane? First game for the for Brisbane, but traditionally when he when he does play his tournaments, he um does definitely gets off to a decent start. He um he's generally up there from from ball ball one really in terms of top run scorers in the tournament. So you know it's probably not a bad shout. Might lose a bit of money on that one, mate. <laughs> yeah, well the way that the rate that it's going, I mean we've taken money in the first two games with New Zealand interest, obviously with Trent Bolt. It was a lot of money for him to be top wicket taker. He took two wickets in the first over. Um, so, yeah, those sort of markets, and it's good to have that sort of New Zealand interest in there. Aaron Finch is taking money on the Melbourne Renegades to be top run scorer. Uh, Save your cash. Save your cash. <laughs> Save your cash. <laughs> he's been horrendous the last couple of years. He has been. I saw him score a club 100 the other week, so maybe he's uh, oh, in right? form uh, down, down the grass. Was yeah. he playing in the Super Smash? <laughs> yeah, wow. Sorry, Kim. <laughs> Sorry, Kim. I've just I've just had to mime a bit of a, a slap Mitch's way. MVP. Uh, now I don't know what this is. I've just got written down in my notes here. Twelve days of sportsmas. Oh yes, yes. Tell so me. Every day we. Yep. So every day, uh, if you're a TAB account holder, uh, you just need to look out for the emails, and you'll receive an email. And you'll click on a, on a ball each week, each day, should I say, and a prize will be revealed. So what we've had today is the uh, the prize was a ten dollar bonus bet uh, that'll jump into your account if you put, if you use the promo code. So uh, make sure you you find that email, chuck the promo code in, uh, and you're away and laughing. And we've had it through the last couple of days with others having to spend their the bonus bet on the football uh, and what have you. So that's going to be happening over the next few days. So make sure you check your emails regularly. Uh, to see what, what's coming up over the next uh, couple of days. And I will say this, tomorrow we do have the World Darts Championship starting and we do have Ben Robb, oh, hey. uh, a.k.a. Big Rig. Uh, he's playing at a quarter past eight tomorrow morning and he's 2.27 uh, to win his first match uh, and what was going to be some great viewing out of the Alley Pally uh, for the World Darts Championship. So that will be the first match tomorrow morning. 
Uh, if you just want to look at some of the outright markets, I'll just quickly give you a couple of prices here. Uh, Michael Van Gerwen is three fifty. Uh, Gerwen price at seven dollars, and we've taken some money too for the bully boy Michael Smith, who's currently at seven dollars. One of the best parts of this time of year for me is the darts world champs. Absolutely oh. love it. Well, Ben Francis did come in with a jumper on today, and he's yes. just just taken it off, jumped up against the window because he must have Big Ben Rob's uh, uh, shirt on. So he's in there, excited oh. that you brought that up. Oh, mate. Uh, look, I, 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 let's hope that he can get the job done in the first game. And there's been some money on him to win that particular match too at around that 227. So that might be a nice way to kick off our Friday morning. Oh, we do love a good way to kick off a Friday morning, BP. Thank you so very much for your time. Brendan Popplewell there from the TAB. Watch and bet live on your favourite sports and racing at tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. That is R18. Time now for Pacing for Purpose. Each week we place a $50 bet on behalf of Movember. Tonight, Cambridge. Harness Racing New Zealand Race 2, number 6. Hell of a sports star. Been hinting that a win is not far away. Can dominate from the draw. GRNZ Palmerston North, Friday. It's tomorrow, people. Tomorrow is Friday. Uh, Race 3, number 3. Big Time Brinley. I'll be honest... Have not heard of Big Time Brindley, but if it's Big Time, if it's good enough for pacing for purpose, Big Time Brindley is good enough for me. Join us each week as we try to raise funds for four New Zealand charities, all thanks to our, to the good folks at Harness Racing NZ and Greyhound Racing NZ. 4.53pm this Thursday time now for our not-so-hot topic, although one hot topic very much has been the cricket. A few texts on that, we'll get to them shortly. But not so hot, not so hot. Today we're talking... Worst Christmas presents ever. Mitch, you came in with this topic, so I feel like you must have a good one up your sleeve. Uh, <laughs> I didn't actually. I just thought it was timely for this time of year, but now, <laughs> now you put me on the spot. I, um, last year's Secret Santa. Uh, you know, so, you know, like the you pick a parcel and you, you either want to keep it or you put it back into the pile or yeah. people can steal it. I ended up with the last present. And I was like, well, I didn't want to be that dude who steals like presents from the other cool people. cool stuff. Yeah, like, and uh, it was actually from my mother-in-law. And um, it was a um, baking paper, like, carrier with, like, which you put the baking paper into that carrier and then you pull it out from there, like one of those white cylinders. Yeah, with and then it like, has a jagged edge so that you yeah, can rip yeah. it. That's practical, man. Well, did oh, it have see, that's a thing. Like, yeah, you would love that, eh? Yeah. I might bring it in. I might actually I repurpose lo- it for you. <laughs> no, for mine, I'm like... I would like, low-key love that. <laughs> well, like, most of the boxes come with those zippers. Yeah, that is true. And I was like, oh, okay. And our kitchen wasn't as pretty tidy, like, tiny, so I was like, where are we going to put it? So, and was it, like... Not in the not in the aesthetic that you were going for. Well, no, it was just like you talk about practicality. I'm like, well, why why do I need a, a container for something which has already got the the teeth on it already? You know, you hide in a bottom drawer anyway. So, yeah, I, I was actually I, now, <laughs> I probably should you just give it, it to you, you for yeah. Christmas. <laughs> it's actually sitting there because I felt bad that I didn't put the baking paper in, um, but we resorted back to the box. So I thought we'd run out of baking paper. Um, but do you think I, we're doing this weekend, we've got um, Secret Santa as well. Do you think that we should, oh, I should repurpose it and yeah. redo it Absolutely. for the family? I am pro-regifting. Absolutely pro-regifting. Um, especially when people give you bottles of wine and it's not a type of wine you like. Now, I think Manaya also mm. has a uh, worst Christmas present 
option. This was a couple of years ago, and it's an interesting one because I actually enjoyed the present. It was uh, it was the latest two K basketball game for PlayStation at the time. Mm-hmm. Great gift. I love basketball. Love playing PlayStation. It's one of my favourite games. The problem was. She had said, let's not get each other anything for Christmas this year. Oh, there it is. And so me being a man of my word, me being a man of my word, I didn't get her anything for Christmas. And she, out of guilt, because she was like, I can't wake up on Christmas Day and not give him anything, got me that. And I was like, my God. So I was like, well, what do you do? Like, there's nothing's open. I I couldn't run down to a shop and go and get her something. So now this... So now this year she said, let's not get each other anything, but the trust is gone, the isn't trust, it? Well, the trust is gone, and if you played your... Yeah, I would definitely there, get her something. Is, there a, game, her is something. there a game that you want to play this year? Maybe you should just... Get her that. <laughs> get her that. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad shout, actually. Yeah, I, I might look into that. I actually um, asked Ricardo this the other day, and he said, get her something and sit on it. So if she gives you something on Christmas, oh, then yeah. say, oh, I've actually got you something too. If she doesn't, you hold it and wait for her birthday. Or Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is coming up. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Her birthday's in November, so it'd be 11 months I'd be sitting on it. But um, <laughs> that's, that's Long a time shout. to sit under a bed. Yeah. And you'd have to rewrap it as well. I know. Uh, just get generic Christmas, like generic paper, just plain gold. That's my go-to at the moment, plain gold, because it can be birthday, shout. Christmas, Kim? everything. Uh, so when I was thinking about this, I thought it's not so much, it's not a present that I got but it involved me, which is the first, would have been, well, actually, it would have been technically our second Christmas together, but when Ollie and I had only been together for just over, not too much longer than a year, uh, my brother thought he would be hilarious. And so we got him a handle, like a beer handle, and had it engraved, Kimberly loves Ollie forever. Wow. Which, How old's your brother? Has <laughs> that chuckled you, Ben? <laughs> you come through? That really tickled you, didn't so it? So my brother ben is five years older than me and just thought this, like, got him, basically. Absolutely got him. And that is the sort of relationship that we have. So he just deliberately tried to stitch me up. Still got the handle, though. Yeah, my, it's great. My brother's, Still got the boyfriend. Still yeah. got the boyfriend. My brother's actually not speaking to me at the moment because um, we had our family Christmas on the weekend. And I, I said, well, it's nice that my brother's taking you to Europe for Christmas to propose to you. <laughs> so at Christmas, I threw him under the bus. So he hasn't spoken to me since. You just ruined his holiday. <laughs> Every time. They go out for dinner. <laughs> the tension is going to be so high. You'll know because you'll have her nails done like fresh every other week, just in case. Oh, oh the tension the oh, whole no, way around oh, no. that trip, every sunset. Oh, my family's probably most <laughs> disappointed in me. Always seem to ruin Christmas at my family. Family, so. Yeah, but are they disappointed or are they? No, they're always disappointed in me. I'm I'm that that person you don't take anywhere because (laughs) (laughs) you don't know what's going to come out of their mouth. Oh, there's weird cousin Mitch. Oh, no, not again. Hey, thank you as well uh, for the text that you were sending in. If you've got any worse Christmas stories or Christmas presents, please. Bring them on through. Uh, but did rate this text from Johnny. My worry with Tim Southey uh, becoming the test captain is that no one else will get a chance to use a review. <laughs> I don't at the moment anyway. So he actually might take a bit more responsibility and not not not, not review 
Uh, Chris also came through and said, oh, Mitch, uh, Kane and Steady don't know how to use spin. Will Tim be able to use the spin as well? Ish Shodi is going to Pakistan. Uh, how will he be used? Well, we might even talk to AJ's Patel about that after the break. Kia ora and welcome to the run home on SENZ. Kim Downs with you alongside Mitchell McLennigan taking you through the evening. Hope whatever your run home is, it is going absolutely beautifully because we are getting to that time of year, aren't we, Mitch? Oh, it's starting to feel like Christmas. <laughs> you love it, eh? I absolutely love it. And then the countdown it. after Christmas is the wedding. Oh, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. I, oh, was, wait- yeah. I was waiting for the uh, the countdown after Christmas is the new year from you. Uh, but yes. need a bit more excitement out of you. We actually applied for our marriage licence today, you, which was exciting. Did they ask you if you're first cousins? No. But is I think that something cel- that happens I down in uh, <laughs> South Canterbury, is it? Yeah, it must be, yeah. I don't know. I've, <laughs> I've been the witness to a couple of those documents, and they were like, do you verify that these two aren't first cousins? And I was like, I'm not certain of it. <laughs> <laughs> is that what my mum signed? Let me check. <laughs> uh, no, I think that's the celebrant's job <laughs> to make sure of right. that, I think. Okay. Something like that. What did I sign? But it was <laughs> <laughs> um, But no, it was very exciting, very exciting next step, because you can only apply for the licence Uh, I can't believe I'm talking about this on a sport radio show, but you can only apply for a marriage licence within three months of actually getting married. So it's quite a nice nice marker of where you're at in terms of the planning process. Last chance to back out sort of territory. Well, no, last chance to back out is technically... Oh, no, I don't want to say that in case Ollie is is listening and gets any ideas. There's no backing out now. There's no choice. Last chance to back out was before you got the mug with Ollie for <laughs> Ollie for, forever. Ollie, Ollie loves no. I think it was Kimberly loves Ollie forever. I forget the details, but you get <laughs> you get the gist. I promise this is a sports show, right? On our Macca's menu today, thanks to Mick Delivery. Very soon, very excited to be talking uh, to. Ajaz Patel from the Black Caps named for the test side to go to Pakistan and also listed today on the uh, on the long list of nominees for Halberg Awards Sportsman of the Year. Andrew Newstub, uh, the All Black Sevens player, is also on the show a little later on, as is Ricky Herbert, to talk all things World Cup. Drive to Survive as well, coming at you after 6 o'clock. That is our Macca's menu, thanks to McDelivery. Delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. This is The Run Home feature interview. Thanks to Mick Delivery. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba! Standing. Here is a towering bow up in the air towards mid-wicket. Can someone get under and take the catch? It is indeed taken. Rachin Ruvindra. And quite amazingly, HS Patel becomes just the third player in Test Match cricket history to take all ten wickets in an innings. He's bowled out India single-handedly. India all out for 325. Ajaz Patel, 47.5 overs, 12 maidens, 10, count them all, 10 for 119. What an incredible feat that was and the reason Ajaz Patel is nominated for Halberg Sportsman of the Year. The man himself joins us on the show now. Ajaz, thanks so much for coming on. Do you enjoy listening back to that? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Obviously, it was quite a special time. Um, but, yeah, it's been a while now and it's kind of still a little bit hard to imagine. Um, it's pretty crazy. 
Did life change for you much in the last year after that feat or was it a whole lot of hype that then settled down a wee bit? Uh, no, not really. Like, I mean, I don't think it's changed too much uh, for me. It's still kind of, you know, the same old, same old, keep working away and keep trying to improve your game and keep trying to get better, really. Surely you're getting a few discounts when you go out to dinner or, or something like that, eh, Jess? No, not so much, not so much like that. But yeah, you certainly get recognised a bit more, and people know who you are a bit more, which is sometimes a little bit weird. Well, Ajaz, appreciate your time today. You have joined us on a day where there is a lot to talk about. Uh, congratulations as well on being named in the test team to head to Pakistan later this month uh, with a change in captain. What do you make of that? Yeah, obviously, um, you know, Timmy taking the reins from Kane, it's, uh, it's, it's something different for us all. It'll be um, interesting to see the style of um, cricket that Tim brings. And um, obviously, being a bowler, it might be a, a slightly different different style. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and it should be, should be quite interesting going forward. So by, by that, you mean that when Tim needs a rest, you're going to bowl more overs? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, hopefully, uh, I think in Pakistan, I, I should be getting a fair few overs in there. So, um, you know, make sure the shoulder's ready for that. Do you think he'll just chuck you the ball and go, right, AJ's another 10, thanks? Uh, no, you know, he's <laughs> quite a competitor. So, I mean, you know, obviously, he, he loves taking wickets for the country as well. So sometimes it can be quite difficult to get the ball out of his hand. So, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be asking for it. So, see what happens. Uh, the inclusion of Ish Sodi, Ajaz, um, been out in the Test cricket wilderness for the last five years, being recalled to the Test squad um, in place of Ratchan Ravindra. I'll get you to, obviously Ratchan's a young talent coming up, um, a little bit gutting overseas tour he misses out on, but Ish Sodi's changed his technique, um, well in terms of his run-up over the last few years, really kind of narrowing down that white ball um, style of, of spin bowler who runs in a little bit faster to get through a bit quicker. Do you see that that's going to still be um, a, a, a good thing for him to be able to bowl with that style in Pakistan or do you think he'll need to change and slow it down a little bit? Uh, no, I don't think he necessarily needs to change much to be fair. Uh, obviously, Ish is quite a talented bowler and he's got a, a, a very wide skill set. So I think you know he he's very adaptable and I think he understands having had that experience earlier of his career, and I think this time round uh, he'll be better for it. Um, we, we all know he's got a phenomenal first-class record, so, I mean, you know, it should be pretty exciting uh, watching him go about his work as well. Talking about first-class records, um, Tom Bruce has got off to a fantastic start this year um, with the bat. Um, was there any indication um, through the traps or whispers that you'd heard that he might have been in, in, the, in line to maybe get a chance? Um, no, obviously, um, you know, he's had a phenomenal um, first-class season uh, over the last kind of year, a year and a half, and he's been batting unbelievably. Um, and you, you would have thought he was in the talking and, and pretty close. Um, but, yeah, well, and we haven't really heard too much. It's, it's kind of, you know, as players, uh, you, sometimes you do hear things, but other times you, you don't really hear much. So, um, yeah, I guess... You know, he, he's really putting his hand up and he's going to, I'm sure, continue to do that. One guy who is in the squad is Will Young and he's been in some serious form in white ball and red ball this year. Uh, what has, what do you feel like seeing him play for the Black Caps, come back to the domestic career? What have you seen improved um, since he's been back with the Stags? Yeah, Young, he's kind of the ultimate professional, really. Um, you know, 
once he kind of gets out there and, and really puffs his chest, he's a, he's a very, very talented batsman. Um, you know, he, he, he's really come to start dominating bowlers in a, at a domestic level and he's pretty confident in, in his game and what he does. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited to see uh, what he brings in Pakistan. For you as well, eh, Jazz, it's often a while between drinks when it comes to playing for the Black Caps. I guess you are used to it now, but how do you tend to approach these series when you know they're coming up and they're quite rare opportunities for you? Yeah, I think I think for me it's really, you know, keeping it quite simple and, and focusing on, on what I bring to the table and um, my style of play and my style of bowling. I don't, I don't really think too much about kind of before or after. I try and make sure I stay in the present and, and uh, take care of what's in front of me. So, I mean, leading into the series, uh, my main focus is kind of making sure that I'm I'm prepared for for what I expect to to kind of be presented, and and, and um, you know adapt to the conditions and, and try and uh, I guess do the best that I can to to produce a result for the team. And when it comes to that spin support, if Ish was to play as well, it's obviously been a long, long time between drinks in the Test arena uh, for him, some four years or so. How do you go about supporting him and integrating him almost back into that test side? Oh, I don't. I don't think there. I mean, for me personally, there's not a lot that I, I will need to do. But it's always great having him around because he's mm. such a student of the game. He loves talking cricket and loves talking bowling. So it's almost brilliant having him around for me, especially you know just to bounce ideas off him and, and talk cricket. Really, I mean, the last time we bowled together was that uh, Pakistan series in the UAE. So. Um, I really enjoyed that and I'm really looking forward to, you know, having opportunities to do that again and work in tandem. Yeah, it will be an interesting one, uh, won't it, Ishan? The guys, are they looking forward to heading back to Pakistan? Yeah, I think the guys are excited. You know, um, uh, all the boys in the team and the squad really value this group quite highly. So, I mean, getting another opportunity to represent your country is always uh, special and I think, you know, everyone's really looking forward to kind of getting over there and, and, and testing themselves and, and what's going to be a different challenge for us. Mm. Now, I do have to ask uh, as well on a slightly different topic, but are you much of a football man as well? I am, yes, indeed. Um, I do enjoy watching football. Um, sometimes <laughs> sometimes uh, we try and make, make time for it, but it's always uh, quite an awkward time that this World Cup's uh, been good because obviously... It's at a good time in the morning where we can get up um, and watch the game during breakfast. So who have you got in the final, Argentina or, or France? Oh, um, it, it's going to be a good game, but I, I think, obviously, um, I'd like to see France, uh, sorry, Argentina win with um, you know Messi really chasing that World Cup for a while. So um, it would be cool to see him go out um, on top. And uh, I think, um, you know, a lot of... A lot of, I suppose, world football would be pretty happy to see him kind of walk away with a trophy, and it would be kind of a fairy tale story for him, really. Um, so it would be would be interesting to see. But I think it's going to be a good final. France are a very strong side, um, so I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It should be good fun. That's a, the classic New Zealand cricket um, media training. There, you, you you say who you want to win, but then you say the opposition is really, is really, really good. There you go. Is, is Willie, is no, Willie Nichols, mean, the media manager, standing next to you? Is he saying, "Oh, here we go. Here are some prompts"? No, 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 not at all, not at all. Obviously, uh, we can say what we want when it comes to football, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, I mean, I, I, me personally, I, I I would like to see Messi win, but I think France are a stronger side um, all around the park. So. 
it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think it obviously finals footy, anything can happen. So it'll be yeah, it'll be a good game to watch. Well, someone who can say what they want about cricket is myself. Oh. That's, that's probably why I'm still not, not, Brace not playing. Brace yourself, Ages. Brace yourself. Ages. <laughs> I, I put, a, put a one-day World Cup squad out yesterday on Twitter. I got a bit of uh, debate around it. I actually had you in my squad to go to the one-day World Cup. Um, yeah, not starting. You're not starting, but I had you in hey, the fourth. I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> I saw you, you travelling. Uh, has there been any yeah. indication? Or I mean, obviously, first and foremost, you'd love to go to a one-day World Cup. Um are you in the frame? Is anyone talking to you about what you've got to do to make that squad his backup for Mitchell Satner? Um, no, not really, to be honest. We we haven't really gotten to talking much around white ball currently. Obviously, the main focus is around this test series. Um, being a cricketer, you know what it's like. Um, you know, Ideally, you want to be included in that and have an opportunity to kind of take part in a World Cup. It's a pinnacle event and something, you know, as players, we get quite excited for. So... Hopefully, hopefully there's an opportunity there somewhere, and um, you know, hopefully it kind of presents itself. But at the moment, no, I haven't really heard too much. Um, it's really just focusing in on this uh, series, and then we'll kind of wait and see what the summer holds, really. Well, we'll be uh, keeping fingers crossed for you, Ajaz, and hoping as well that you guys all go well over in Pakistan on the test part of that series. When do you head off? Uh, we head off on the 21st, so it's a, it's a quick turnaround. A um, couple of days, couple of days at home with the family, and then uh, away we go. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm really excited to be back in the environment and be back with the Black Caps, and really looking to kind of get stuck in. Uh, it's been it's been a while between drinks, so yeah, you, you're always itching to play for New Zealand. And it's a great opportunity to kind of represent your country, so it's pretty exciting and pretty cool. Well, from a purely spectator perspective, can't wait to watch you sink your teeth into it as well uh, over in Pakistan. All the best. Ajaz Patel, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. 5.23pm this Thursday evening. We're just going to chat. We're planning on chatting uh, quite a fair bit of cricket now because there is a lot happening all around the world and a lot of it very relevant to New Zealand and we just thought we'd take advantage really of having Mitch in studio. Makes sense. Uh, We do want to open the chat up though. If you've got any thoughts on anything you're seeing in cricket at the moment, be it the upcoming Australia-South African series, be it the new New Zealand test captain, uh, do either give us a text on the Temper Bedpost text machine or you can give us a call on the Makita NZ phone line. Rule the outdoors with Makita's power garden tools. We actually have a $250 Makita voucher to give to the caller of the week. That'll be decided tomorrow. Uh, Makita's range of cordless power tools that take you from the job site to the backyard to get the job done. That Makita phone line, of course, 0800 150 or flick us a text on the Temper Bedpost text machine, double eight. Double three. So, Mitch, first things first, we've obviously talked quite a bit already in the show uh, in and around Kane stepping down as the test captain, Tim Southey coming on board. What about the rest of the squad for Pakistan? I will read them out to you. So, Tim Southey captaining Michael Bracewell, Tom Blundell, Devin Conway, Matt Henry, Tom Latham, Daryl Mitchell, Henry Nichols, Ajaz Patel, Glenn Phillips, Ish Sodi, Blair Tickner, Neil Wagner, Kane Williamson and Will Young. Have they got the mix right? Uh, it's interesting. Look, I think um, I prepared a test side before this, and and I didn't I didn't have Sodi in there. Um, so that's kind of thrown a spanner in the works because I think if they're going to take a leg spinner, I think they're probably going to play him. Um, so I kind of thought they might have gone in with a three prong pace attack 
um, use Phillips or Bracewell as a backup spinner um, and AJ's was going to bowl a lot of overs. Um, so it's kind of thrown a spanner in the works of will they only play two seamers, um, not do what Aussie did um, with the th- uh, sorry uh, England did with the three seamers and a, a part-time spinner and, and obviously um, a full-time spinner. So it's got me got me thinking. Um, I'm also really I'm really interested to see how we line up. I think the last tour in India we changed the batting line up a little bit. Um, Mitchell came in the last test, um, batted in that. I I, I feel like. He could be one of the guys who might miss out, but I don't think he should. And I think the person who has to make way for that is Henry Nichols, um, needs to make way for, for Mitchell in the middle order. Um, reason being is, is Henry Nichols' stats are actually really like good on paper, but once you break them down, his stats um, overseas away from home, he averages 23 at a strike rate of 40. At home, he averages 48 um, so there's a big difference in, in those numbers and he's been a guy who's been touted as being a good player of spin but he plays spin well in New Zealand where the ball doesn't deviate or slow up off the wicket much and he's a big sweeper of the ball if you're looking at good spin pl- players of spin they generally don't sweep unless it's an aggressive option or it's pitched outside pitched outside the stumps and they usually play from the crease or, or play right back or, or right forward so it's a go-to which works in New Zealand because it doesn't turn, um, but you can get in a lot of trouble. Um, it shouldn't be something in the subcontinent that you're looking to to get yourself off strike with. It's a, it's an attacking option as opposed to rotating the strike, which Henry seems to use as his means of getting off off strike. So I, I thought I I would love to see Will Young open the batting with Latham. I thought they've started to build a good co- uh, combination. I think likelihood is that New Zealand will open the batting with Conway and Latham. Mm. Um, the reason I don't like Conway and Latham opening the batting together is that I think left-right is obviously an advantage in test cricket for line and all that kind of thing. But I think more importantly, I think New Zealand's success over the last year in one-day cricket and in test cricket has been around having a really, really solid number three and number four. And I don't see anyone around New Zealand cricket who's going to be as solid as Ross Taylor was in a partnership with Kane Williamson um, as I think Devin Conway will be. And I think it's a guy who who can actually solidify that, that middle order um, like Ross used to do in some part. Then I think it opens up – sorry – no, no, no. I think you were about to answer my obvious question uh, which was coming, which was, okay, then who are you having as your other opener? Alongside Tom, yeah, Will Young. I, I think Will Young is is the future. I think when Kane when Kane finishes, um, and we don't know when that's going to be, but obviously the Test captaincy, giving that back might open up that as a possibility. Hopefully not in the near future, but I think Will Young will bat number three when when Kane Kane retires, um, and that's just where I see him slotting off. I think he'll potentially be uh, a skipper going forward, and maybe three four years time. Um, as well for New Zealand, he's the only guy I can see with some pedigree to to be a New Zealand captain out of, out of the group that they've picked. So I think he opens with Latham, Williamson, Conway. Um, I think Daryl Mitchell's done enough to to be number five, solidify that order again. And and Glenn Phillips, I think if Saudi's skipper, I think Glenn Phillips plays. He'll want that guy who can do what Harry Brooks did um, against Pakistan, mm. who can come out, score 100, um, of a strike in 110, 120, and really take a game away from you. So, and then Blundell at seven. And then now I'm confused where, whether they're going to play Sodi. <laughs> <laughs> you know? 
But the one the one thing I haven't seen them pick, and and there was I know I know Ferguson got tapped on the shoulder a little while ago, saying or just general interest of whether wanting to play a test tour. And what New Zealand doesn't have is air speed um, in their bowling lineup. They don't have air speed, and that's what Mark Wood did to win that test match, that last test match. So that's what's got me a little bit nervous. They put Tickner in there, um, who's a hit the deck bowler, um, and. I don't think it's going to be as effective as someone like a Lockie Ferguson or potentially an Adam Milne with reverse ball swinging conditions. So that's anything I'm a little bit unsure about it with that lineup. All right, plenty more takes to come as well. Uh, we've actually had some comments too uh, from a former Aussie cricketer, which might be of interest. We'll have to get to them shortly because now it's time for Johnny Mack with the news. You are with Kim and Mitch on SNZ for the run home. We are taking your calls, we are taking your texts on all things cricket at the moment on the Makita NZ phone line. Rule the outdoors with Makita's power garden tools. And remember, $250 voucher for the caller of the week this week. And, uh, you know, Mitch McLennigan here to answer all of your curly cricketing questions. Uh, Mitch, I have one of those very kind for you. So... Former Australian cricketer Simon O'Donnell has made these comments on our uh, mate's breakfast show, SEN Over the Ditch. Tim Southey, he's 34. They've named him as a replacement. Fantastic, he's earned his stripes. But I'm thinking at 34, I'm not seeing Tim as a fast bowler being around for too much longer. So I'm sure there's someone there in the wings that he might be a let's get over this period while we figure out who the best one is in that mid-20, late-20 range to take us into the next era option. Do we have someone in that mid-20, late-20 range to take us into that next era? Yeah, we've only got one in my opinion. I think we've only got um, Will Young um, from what I can see like on the, on the surface. Um, I guess potentially if someone comes through and, and keeps on performing, it, it might be someone like a Cole McConchie uh, mm. with Canterbury at the moment. Um, but I can't see uh, outside of that anyone in that age group who, who I think will be a, one, a mainstayer in, in the team. Um and then two, like, um, has that leadership quality. Um, yeah, there, there is a big hole there. There is mm. a big hole there of people like that. Um, geez, it'd be hilarious to see Glenn Phillips. We, we spoke to him last week. Um, it'd be hilarious to see if he actually develops as a leader because he's the kind of guy, if yeah. Tim Saudi has this kind of uh, this style, the style I think he's going to bring into Test cricket, um, if he brings that style in, there's probably some. There's probably one dude who's who's as quirk, quirky enough to pull something off like that. Um, it's probably someone like Glenn Phillips. But yeah, I think he's he's a long way from a finished product. But I think Will Young, first and foremost, mm. is the guy, and they probably just don't know. Obviously, he hasn't been playing consistently, and they need to get him into that position where he's playing every test for for that to mm. be a position that he can take up. Like you say, they need to be a lock in that side. Yeah, right? And at the right. moment, a lot of the locks are kind of in that early thirties, heading towards. Mid thirties mm. generation, really. Yeah, but look at Latham. Latham will Latham will still play for another six, mm. seven years. True. You know, so so there is time for for someone to come through the ranks who who will mature into that leader. When Latham's gone, um, yeah, it's how long they have this little bridge between Tim Southey and and Latham. Um, I guess that's what we're asking, isn't it? And one thing that'll be really interesting as part of this Tim Southey era of Test captaincy, uh, and you made this point uh, in the air break earlier is that we will of course have England visiting this summer. His great mate Brendan McCullum mm. is the coach very aggressive obviously we all know about baseball uh, how does this black cap side go about beating them? Oh, yeah look it's tough, it's in a short series I don't think there's a there's a good chance I, I think um, 
because they're playing such an aggressive style, um, and we'll, we can talk about this a little bit later, because um, we've got Chris on the line from Hamilton. Chris, how are you? Yeah, good, Mitch. Come how things? Very good. Thank you, mate. Uh, how's your afternoon going, and what do you make of the uh, Kane stepping down as captain situation? Oh, it's more a question for Mitch I've got. Is picking Southie over Latham, is that purely a change of direction? Like, to do that more aggressive baseball type cricket? Uh, look, Chris, I, I think I think it is. Um, I think, like, uh, reading between the lines, I think it's the first crack um, we've seen in Gary Stead's approach to cricket and how he's always coached cricket. And and it's it's maybe a, a thing he wants to be the person who potentially, like Baz has done, changes the style of New Zealand Test cricket um, with, 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 obviously, with Tim Southey's help. I think that is, is exactly right. I think you're bang on there, Chris. And one more too. And taking it going over, I mean, I respect the guy. He's done his, he's certainly done his trade in domestic cricket. But is there a young buck flying around that flicks it down with a bit of pace? That might have been a better option to bowl a few overs. I, I'm un, I'm unsure with uh, maybe with the World Cup coming up. I, I think they're they're maybe trying to protect Lockie Ferguson, but he he's a guy who who needs to be playing Test cricket. Um, he, he played that one test where he broke down in Perth. Um, he's yeah. a guy in these conditions with reverse swing and that airspeed difference needs to be playing. Milne's probably the only other guy who's got that pace. There's a guy, Fisher, coming through who, who's got some serious gas. Um, but again, he's only playing white ball cricket. They're trying to protect him from the longer format of the game. Had a few injuries. And then Ben Sears. Um, he would have been a guy with airspeed, more airspeed than Tickner. He's, he's more along it uh, than Tickner is. Uh, but he has more pace. So he's probably the guy who probably could have gone in, in Tickner's place. So, yeah, really good point, um, I think, Chris. Um, two great questions. Thanks, mate. Cheers, guys. Appreciate, Appreciate your time, Chris. And the draw, of course, now to win that $250 Makita voucher. Right. Coming up on the show, All Black Sevens player Andrew Newstub. 5.43pm here on The Run Home. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks too, actually, uh, to Chris who called in just before that air break with a couple of great questions for Mitch. We love hearing from you, so do keep the calls coming. 0800 150 811 or the text, of course, on 8833. Anything sporting-wise or, let's face it, with the nature of this show, sometimes not that you want to discuss. Go for it. We are thrilled, though, now to be joined by All Black 7 star Andrew Newstar, who's actually been uh, gone on a little bit of a tangent, really. Now assistant coach of the New Zealand under-18 boys team ahead of the World Secondary School 7s tournament this weekend. Andrew, thank you so much for your time. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you very much. Now, you've been out of the All Black Sevens for a while uh, with a knee injury. I think that was back in April. How are you doing? you coming right? Uh, yep, yeah, I'm just on my way out now. Um, I'm just on that six-month uh, post-surgery, so um, probably looking at end of January, I'll be full training, uh, full back training with the boys, um, and then hopefully return to play around that sort of March into February period. I oh, can't wait to see you back in action. In the meantime, it's good to see you're keeping busy uh, taking on this coaching job. What spurred that on? Yeah, so our skills coach for the All Black 7 team, Bjorn McIntosh, um, he's a real good bugger. And, um, you know, he's seen that I was still really keen to, to stay involved with the boys and try help out where I can. But obviously I can't help out too much uh, for the All Black 7 boys. So he said, oh, 
what would you think about the opportunity and come help these young fellas uh, at the World Schools time? And I thought, um, you know, why not give it a crack? I never had the opportunity like this when I was a young fella, so I thought I was on the team. I've really enjoyed it so far. Yeah, you say, Andrew, you, you had never had that opportunity as a youngster. Um, I guess how important is that opportunity to these players and, and what advice have you got to them to deal with the expectations of obviously this tournament on the field but also off the field? Yeah, um, obviously it's a massive opportunity for them and um, and they will realise it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, just kind of the first day we got here and we kind of watched them just play the touch uh, with each other and I think that's probably a massive key is just having fun. Like, that's what Sevens is all about. You check the footy around with your mates and, and you work really hard just kind of getting that balance right, uh, which makes a special Sevens team. And I think that's probably the most important thing that they just come out there and do what their, you know, their X factor is or their superpower is, is what we call it. And, um, yeah, hopefully we can show this on uh, Saturday, Sunday. Superpower, I do like that. I do have to ask, Andrew, though, you talk about, you know, just letting them have fun and do their thing. I find it hard enough keeping the men at work here in line between the uh, couple of producers and and my dear mate Mitch beside me. How on earth do you manage to keep control of an entire sevens team of under eighteen boys? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really tough. It's pretty tough keeping <laughs> the management control as well. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> now some of these young fellas here are. Uh... You know, we're all staying at uh, King's College at the moment and, um, and I feel the girls' teams have, have strolled on in, so you see the boys snuffing <laughs> out late at night sometimes. We have to bloody bring them back in, but no, they've been good. They've been, like, honestly, little professionals and um, I've been really impressed and uh, impressed with how professional they are. So, no, they've been all right, I guess. So you're on security walking around uh, the running track at, at night, are you? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, 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 we get the spotlight out. <laughs> Unintentional spotlight, I love it. Hey, um, look, I, turning turning just to the World Sevens. Obviously, with three three events in, uh, I had a question. Obviously, Samoa and South Africa got off to a great start. They're on top at forty seven points. New Zealand's in equal third with the USA on forty four. At what point of the season do you start looking towards like you've got a really good opportunity of winning the World Seven Series? And and dare I say that terrible word? Is it around the time of Vancouver? Yeah, so obviously we've had a had a pretty slow start to the season this year, and I think if there was one positive that we can take out of it, it would be that a lot of our young guys have got a lot of um, I've managed to get them all out there on the field, and and they're really becoming into you know quality sevens players, not just quality footy uh, footy players. So I think we're not far away from a from a perfect game. Um, obviously, it's pretty hard to get to. As you can see, I'm definitely in sevens, but uh, we're coming into that Hamilton tournament. Uh, we're going to be training bloody hard over Christmas and New Year, so um, we won't be eating too much over Christmas, and um, hopefully we get a good squad. Hopefully we get some of these injuries back, and um, yeah, hopefully we get a good squad over that Hamilton period, and uh, yeah, we'll be looking for a strong, uh, strong performance there. Um, and then yeah, we'll just kind of keep it on from there for the rest of the season, hopefully. Surely you get at least a couple of slices of Christmas ham at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, Surely, well, I'll see if anyone's looking at me, and then I'll have to decide. The uh, under 18s boys might be able to give you some tips on on getting something past the keeper there. Um, I did want to ask though. You mentioned Hamilton, uh, obviously being removed as a as a stage on that World Series. 
after next year. So how important is it going to be to you and, and the rest of that All Black Sevens group to really put on a good show this last time in New Zealand? Yeah, yeah obviously there's a, yeah, we're all pretty disappointed with the a massive amount of history in our, mm. in our New Zealand tournament, you know, when it was back in Wellington and, and now on Hamilton and you know, the boys are the boys are absolutely devastated but uh, it's been moved away but um yeah I guess for me I'm I'm just gonna miss out um on playing Hamilton by a couple of weeks so mm. I'm gonna be pretty gutted but you know, I kinda just will put that towards the boys and and they'll probably see how disappointed I am, and I know all of them are going to be willing to play in front of their family and friends for possibly the last time. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of pressure, but there's one thing I know about the public side they love the pressure, so, yeah, it's going to be a spectacle for sure. Yeah, it would be awesome. A, a, yeah, great last tournament, I bet. I hopefully top it off with that win. Um, before we let you go, Andrew, um, out of this under-18s group of men, who should we be keeping our eye on for the next couple of years? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I guess I've been thinking about that quite a bit. Um, so we've got got young uh, Cody Vai there, who's our brother, plays with us, plays with us, uh, Kitsiana Vai, and uh, his older brother Maloney's down with the Crusaders. So, uh, he's definitely one to look out for. Uh, Xavier, uh, Theodore Harris, he'll be one to look out for as well. He's a uh, kind of had to make the decision between playing rugby league or coming to the sevens and he's decided to commit to the sevens so he's going to be definitely exciting to watch and um, also there's a young fella Fletcher Carpenter he's uh, from the mighty Cupsy Coast as well so I'll keep him eye on wet, but I reckon he's going to bring a bit of resin to the show and uh, he's definitely a little fella and oh, if I'm, actually if I'm going to look at him I'll have to add uh, Andrew Smith as well He's um he's looking sharp at training. He's always wanting to learn. I don't think sevens is a natural game, but uh, he's wanting to learn, and he's really impressed me this week. So yeah, definitely keep an eye out for those four for sure. Awesome, and I think the thing is as well, they're probably stoked to be learning from you, and I'm sure they are so pleased to have this opportunity. So good stuff. Good luck this weekend with them. Hope it all goes well. Uh, hope you've got control of that spotlight properly, particularly if they win. Um, all the best with your recovery as well. And while I know, like you say, it is obviously pretty gutting uh, that this will be the last New Zealand tournament in January and, and you won't get to play it, I hope that you can find some good in it and, and try and enjoy it and maybe reflect a bit on some of the great memories that have passed. That's right. Too good. Thank you very much, team. Awesome, mate. Appreciate it. All the best. Uh, Andrew Newstub there, All Black 7 star, joining us. From the New Zealand under-18 boys camp where they are looking to gear up for the World Secondary Schools Sevens Tournament. You're back with Kim and Mitch on the run home. Great to be talking a bit of Sevens with Andrew Newstub, the All Black Sevens player there, because it's one of those ones that you obviously have your highs at events like the Olympics, the Commonwealth Games, where neither team quite managed to crack it, uh, and then the World Cup. And now we're back on this little period of the Sevens circuit next year is a massive year because it's Olympic qualifying for them as well as mm. the Sevens series. Um, and you were looking at the standings just before the Blackburn Sevens going pretty well, won the last tournament uh, in, where were they? Uh, they were down in Cape, Cape Town. Town. They That's were down right. Cape Thank Town. you. Yeah, I, was yeah. just, I was like, they're, they're oh, equal having first, a moment. Yeah. Having a moment. Yeah, equal first, yeah. getting one up on the Aussies. Yep. 
for the first time in quite some time because the Aussies... Beat I think, them in Dubai. Yeah, beat yeah, them in Dubai, Dubai yeah. beat them in the World Cup final and beat them in the Commonwealth Games semi-final. Mm. Uh, the Blackfin Sevens from Recollection beat them in a mid-year tournament prior to the Com Games. But that was still three on the trot, which is not the sort of record you want against our uh, darling Australian friends. No, so look, obviously we are moving into Hamilton. It'd be mm. nice to get two in a row up on them, hopefully. Mm. But the interesting one to me is is the USA, how they're creeping up into these this World Sevens rugby rank, rankings. So um, they're sitting on third in the women's side of, of the standings and, and the men's team's in fourth as well. So... Uh, Jeez, like you were saying in the break, put a put a gold medal on the line, eh? an mm-hmm. Olympic gold medal, and they pump their money into it. So yeah, it's uh, going to be an exciting time for rugby mm-hmm. in that part of the world, particularly. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think we were talking as well about you know that World Cup in thirty one. It's I feel like though it's it's a hard one, right? Because the USA is often talked about as the sleeping giant. Of, you know, rugby has been a sleeping giant in the USA, and we've kind of yet to see that really come to fruition. Mm. So maybe. At long last with their sevens team in a few years' time, or sevens teams in a few years' time, we'll actually be able to see something come of it. Fingers crossed. I think that's what you need, right? You need to keep on expanding the markets, bring Mm. in the big sponsorship money, Mm -hmm. the viewership. All those dollar-dollar bills. (laughs) All right, coming up on the show uh, in the next hour, we're talking all things World Cup with Ricky Herbert. Can't wait for that. And it is also going to be time for Drive to Survive. So get those fingers ready to call in and hopefully we'll be able to hand you some cash. Kia ora, welcome back. You're on the run home on SENZ. Kim Downs and Mitch McLennigan with you through this next hour. And Mitch has actually gone down a wee bit of a uh, statistical rabbit hole in the last 10 or so minutes, we had Chris call in a little earlier in the show and he's talking bowlers for the Black Caps and that got Mitch's mind humming. Yeah, he was. Um, he kind of brought up Blair Tickner's name um, in terms of what he, um, his selection in this test tour and and who else that was there out there who that um, might be able to come in. And I mentioned Ben Sears, um, Fisher, uh, who else did we say? We said Lockie Ferguson. Yep. He hasn't played this year. Milne hasn't played this year four-day cricket. But the guys who have played four-day cricket and are doing well, um, uh, Matt Fisher did play two games, and he he took 10 wickets and an average of 15. So he's the young, quick bowler with some um, some airspeed from Northern Districts. Um, at the top of the wicket-taking chart is Matt Henry. After th- three games he's played, 23 wickets at 11. So he's your premier fast bowler in the domestic competition. Uh, Jacob Duthie's had a really good start to the year, and, and I believe Red Bull cricket is his best format. Um, great line and length, moves the ball, um, relentless, hitting top of off. He's four games, he's taken 22 wickets at 21. Doug Bracewell, third on that list. Yep, he's he's four games. He's taken 20 wickets at 17. So those are your top three bowlers, all swing bowlers, all outswing bowlers. Brace all the added bonus of being a very, very good middle-order batsman or lower-order to middle-order batsman. So none of those guys, Byron Henry, have come into the conversation. Uh, Blair Tickner has played two games, and he's he's you've got to scroll all down to the bottom of the page um, to find where his standings are in that format. Um, he's a very, very long da- way down. He's taken, he's played two games and taken seven wickets. So, yeah, I, I, I guess that's one of the questions you'd want answered. Um, and Chris, um, I listed off those options for you. But those, if you were those guys like Bracewell and Duffy, um, you'd be asking a few questions, I guess, in this situation. So, you know, what, what else do you have to do to be able to play Test cricket? 
is, mm. is the thing. And, and it's the amount of overs he's bowled. Blair Tickner's bowled as well. He's bowled 70, 70 overs um, going into a test series in Pakistan, whereas the seam bowler, if you're only going to play two seam bowlers, um, you're going to have to bowl 30-plus um, <laughs> the, the way Pakistan like, like, to, like to bat. So... Um, he's only about 70 overs. The other guys have got good loading under their belts, mm. 130 to 140 overs uh, with Waggy as well, about 140 the most out of any seam bowler in domestic cricket this year. So That does not surprise me. <laughs> that doesn't surprise you. Like, the toughest man to get the ball out of his hand. Yeah, yeah. Go, so, no, you can't bowl consecutive overs, Waggy. You can't, you can't, mate, you can't. Someone else has to have a turn. Yeah, so, so that's, that's interesting, right? It's... Um, you know, you, you wonder why you want to know why people are selected for New Zealand, mm. and, and you also want to know why certain people aren't. So, uh, great call, Chris. You've kind of got my mind mind going on that one. Well, it's interesting when you say you know you kind of want to know why people are selected. It made me think. I'll, all I've got on this is the uh, justification given in the press release when the team was named. So I'll I'll pass it on to you. So first starts with a Tickner featured in the Black Caps test squads for the series against South Africa at the end of the home summer and away to England in the winter, but is yet to debut after playing 20 white ball internationals. Then goes on to say, uh, Gary Stead said Tickner's inclusion reflected his place amongst the test bowling stocks in the country. Blair's been with the group for our past two test series and we believe he's very much ready for test cricket. He has genuine pace and gets good bounce, which is a real has asset to have in, Pakistan, in subcontinental not. conditions. Absolutely not. <laughs> airspeed, airspeed is what wins you games in the subcontinent. It's airspeed. I like how you were cutting me off before I even got sorry, to the end. Sorry, you were like, yeah. I know where this is going, and that's oh, a hard no. Yeah. <laughs> it is airspeed, yeah. Bounce bowlers generally don't do as well. But hey, look, what what do I know? <laughs> look, I guess we'll get to find out. Um, I kind of hope for Blair's sake that now that he is named in the squad, he doesn't have to then go on a third test series and not get to play, because that would just be very, very, very frustrating. Anyway, on our Macca's menu uh, in the show for the next hour, thanks to Mick Delivery very soon. We are talking to Ricky Herbert. Can't wait for this one. All things footballing as we head into the big dance. Uh, We've also got Drive to Survive coming up shortly after 6.15. A few good questions in there as well. I don't mind it at all. That is on your Macca's menu. Thanks to McDelivery, delivering your Macca's favourites straight to your door. Right, let's not muck around because it's time to talk football. What else would you want to be wanting to talk at this stage? The semi-finals are done. We know who is going to be playing for the FIFA World Cup. That is Argentina and France here for his views. Former All Whites and Phoenix coach Ricky Herbert joins us. Ricky, thank you so much for your time. How have the sleeping patterns been of late, mate? Yeah, crazy, isn't it? And uh, yeah, thanks for the opportunity to jump on the show. But uh, yeah, look, fantastic. Great to get up and watch the games. It's been um, probably one of the best World Cups to date. Right. Like the amount of upsets, the storylines that have gone through Morocco, sadly, uh, in many ways, ending today. What did you make of their performance this tournament? Yeah, look, just absolutely fantastic. And I think it just... Um, really resembles the you know the quality and depth around the world now in, in the game of football and um, you know these nations are getting stronger and better and uh, they've certainly put a, uh, a benchmark down for for the African nations and um, look I thought they were terrific I mean just to continually keep coming through and some of the big scalps that they took you know, not only coming through group play but through the round of 16 and then through the round of eight and you know, and then, um, you know, coming up against world champions again today. So, you know, the, the quality of teams they had to play didn't get any easier. 
but their performances were absolutely fantastic, mm. and I think really really resembled out to to the world on on you know how big this game is. Mm. What do you think it was about that team as well that made them able that made them able to fight through, like you say, all of those really good quality sides, much better known and bigger nations on the stage, a group of of players that no one expected to ever probably even make it out of the group, let's be honest, let alone to the semi-final. Yeah, look, I think it's um, it's, it's probably got a raft of content to it. And I think, you know, um, not knowing the, the, the players personally, but, um, you know, what resembled to me was just this real compassionate, unified group um, that just continued to apply pressure, commit, challenge, um, defend, attack, you know, they just they just brought every part of Armory that they could to the to the fore, and um, you know, I think it's you know added with some some quality. And I think um, you know, there, there's probably going to be some names come out of that Moroccan side that are going to be you know on on some big clubs around the world now. And uh, you know, that's great for a country like that. And uh, let, let's hope we see some of those players move to some big clubs. And while they did go down to France. 2-0 this morning, watching that game, it never felt like they were a much lower quality team. In fact, there were a few opportunities uh, that went missing in that, but for, you know, a stroke of bad luck really could have had them right back in it. Is that fair to say? Yeah, look, I think absolutely. And I think, um, you know, if you have a look at the stats, it's they've totally dominated the game position-wise. And I think in the second half, you know, obviously a goal down and they're going to chase the game. You, you tend to think the stats may turn a bit, but they mm. turn quite dramatically. And I think, you know, shots on target were very equal. Um, opportunities were there. And I think, um, you know, when you keep, as I have done, keep replaying some of the opportunities that they did have, you kind of wonder how they stayed out. Um, but they kept coming and they were, you know, just unbelievably resilient and, you know, kept that passion and desire and, and will to, to try and win a football game that, um, you know, would have meant so much to them. You mentioned um, against the stats. Um, I guess France um, have gone against all odds against the stats. They're only the fifth team who's a defending champion to to make a World Cup final. There's been two wins and two losses. Um, I guess uh, since there's been no one who's won back-to-back titles since Brazil did in 62 and Italy did in 38 before them. Uh, do you see French, the French side being the side that can actually buck this again? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a great question. I think, um, you know, when you're crystal ball gazing at the start of the competition, and um, I guess I did throw out France, um, I do have to say, but not, <laughs> not with any not with any degree of, hey, I think, you know, I think they're, they're going to be, you know, the, the best side to go through quite comfortably. But, look, I think, um, I'd, look, I'd like to think they would. You know, I think there's a lot of stories going to be written, isn't there, in the, in mm. the final. We've got Messi, um, you know, there'll be a real emotional drive behind that. Can he, can he win the World Cup? Um, you know that's a fantastic fairy you know tale story. You know in football, um, is Mbappe going to be the new Messi mm. and Ronaldo? Um, you know is he going to springboard onto the world scene? And is France going to go in a back-to-back World Cups as you say since '62 with the Brazilian you know quality top side winning it? So um, lots of lots of recipes and lots of stories. And I'm sure Juno's are not sure which one to, <laughs> to, to get ready, um, but that's exciting. I think it's great. Um, I would say, though, I don't think I've seen the best of the French side, um, certainly uh, this morning, and I think, um, you know, coming through the, the round of eight. Um, now, whether that's a little bit of protection, they seem to be a side that 
were quite comfortable, um, and I don't say that lightly because I think the Moroccans did have a number of chances, but they just seemed to be happy to, you know, score early, which they did, and then then defend, and then just utilise the quality that they had going forward when they needed to. Um, but they're certainly going to have to, I think, come to another level against an Argentinian side who could be like the Spanish side that got beaten in, in their first opening game in group play in 2010 and went on to win the World Cup. Well, Ricky, in there you mentioned the journos loving the storylines. Speaking on behalf of my fellow sports journalist, I would say you're absolutely correct. Uh, we love the storylines. Story I'm a sucker for sentiment and a you know a romantic sporting fairy tale. But I'd like to know, uh, cold-headed analysis aside, where does your heart lie for this final? Um, look, I think if I take the emotion out of it, I'd like to see France go back to back. You know, I think that's. I, th- I think when it, when I look at their side, I think with the volume of players that they have missing, they have some real mm. superstars not there. Um, you know, I think they've had to dig deep as well, and I think. You know, sometimes it can be sensed as, well, that's France, they're the World Cup champions, they're the World Cup holders. It kind of sits in the light of, well, hang on, if we look behind that, we've got a number of the best players that uh, haven't been presented at the World Cup. So when we look at the group, you know, and, and that's not just the 11 who plays, there's some quality coming off the bench, but it's certainly not the depth of the side that potentially they could put out. So, mm. you know, I, you know, my heart's with them a little bit to think that they've really stood up and, competed against the odds as well, I guess, from a from a player availability perspective. But, um, look, I think it'd be very tight. I mean, I think it's going to be really, really hard to call. Um, Argentinians are just so resilient. You know, they'll be tough, hard to break down. Um, you know, the, the blip that they have, and I think everybody kind of went, whoops, we're going to write Argentina off after game one. They've certainly... Um, you know, had to rewrite that and have a good look at it because they've certainly bounced back. And, and their ability going forward and quality in that front part of the field is, you know, they're, they're as good as anybody in the world currently. You mentioned they're the French players that have missed out. There are rumours or there seems to be some speculation going around um, around Benzema and whether he might be able to come back into that French side for the final. But from a coaching perspective, Ricky, if he is available, I mean, he's obviously a, a next-level calibre player, but do you risk changing up the team that has got you to the final? Yeah, super point. And you know, wouldn't wouldn't that be a great position to be yeah. in? To think, um, well, I've got Benzema, and um, shall I bring him back into the side? But uh, no, no, you're fully right, and I think that's that's going to be the quality of, of of the coaching staff and the manager to to be able to deal with that from a collective perspective. And I think. You know, these are players that are world class. And I think, mm. you know, when you look at Dembele, Mbappe, Giroud, um, you know, just, you know, fantastic players that have done a super job, um, an outstanding job. And, you know, arguably one of those who potentially could go on to be the, you know, the next new superstar um, in, in world football. Um, it's a big call. It's a big call. But we are talking about a World Cup final. Mm. Um, we are we are talking about the biggest sporting event in the world. Um so they'll, they'll, I'm, I'm assuming, I don't know the position of Benzema, um, but if he was available, fit and ready, then you know that's certainly going to be a big conversation within that French camp. 
Yeah, they've, they've kind of said him, he's back at training um, with Real Madrid, full training. So it sounds like he's back on the park. Um, so, yeah, it does obviously bring in a conundrum uh, for the coaching staff with France. I, I guess I want to move on to, to the playoff for third and fourth. And I, I find this fascinating. I feel like most of the time uh, one team who is a big name has missed out on making the final and they don't really turn up and it's a real nothing game. I feel like a Morocco-Croatia uh, playoff for third could be as heated, if not more, than than the World Cup final. Yeah, look, I think we're in for a stellar one. That's one I'll certainly be watching, hundred um, percent. I think you're spot on. I think, you know, I'll be I'll be incredibly surprised if these Moroccan boys don't just front up again. You know, I think we've just seen, you know, just amazing performances. You know, I think, um, you know, as we said at the top of the show, you know, who would have predicted even coming out of the group, to let alone get through to a semi final. So. You know, I think there's just this immense pride that, you know, they've certainly deserved to get through to where they've been. You know, I, I just think they're going to be an incredibly tough team to beat. You know, I, I think they'll embrace the situation. I don't think they'll fall into, or well, I hope they don't fall into, you know, such an emotional um, coming so close to being in the grand final. Um, so, look, I, yeah, look, I think they'll be right up for it. And with the Croatian side, I mean, tough, resilient, probably let themselves down in that semi-final. I mean, they're a side that generally are just so hard to break down. Um, But the Argentinians found ways to to get them beyond and, you know, I guess Messi destroyed them on a couple of occasions and and that was enough to see them out. But, Mm. um, yeah, look, you know, hey, who's to say? Here's me, you know, crystal ball gazing again. But I kind of think, you know, my heart a little bit is in this one to say I'd love to see Morocco go through and and grab that third spot. Mm. I think I think we probably feel similarly, but on the um, Croatian side of things, it does strike me a little bit as well. This World Cup, so much has been about Messi, so much has been about Ronaldo. Do you think the Croatian captain Luka Modric has been given his due? Yeah, look, look, it's uh, again, you know, great question. I think he is, you know, one of the ultimate top world class players that's been produced year in year out, and I think not only at club. But at country, he's he's led that side just undoubtedly with with a, you know the greatest of performances that you see, and um, he he sits he hundred percent in my in my category sits in in the category of world class, um, and and I think we you know we have this you know sort of following of Messi and, and Ronaldo, and you know I kind of think this is you know you're you're either a Messi camp or you're in the Ronaldo <laughs> camp, and you know which one which one's better, and, you know and and, and some superstars kind of fly under the radar, in my mm. opinion. And I think he is he is 100% world-class. And I think just such a gentleman of the game, um, you know, coming off, I think it was, what, 80th minute or something. Mm. Um, and I think that was just a... That was a world recognition of, of a player who has delivered world-class performances on the world stage and just enlightened and embraced and thrilled so many of us mm. that love the game. Um Oh look, I think he—I think he's a superstar in my world. He's—he's he's just stepped up and at club level again. I mean, he's been instrumental in provi- being the provider on a number of occasions for some of these other players to score goals. Mm. Um, great sentiments there, Ricky. Ricky Herbert joining us. Thank you so much. Uh, you'll be going to lay. I will be saying vamos come Monday morning. But that is all right. We're allowed to cheer for different teams. The uh, the journo with the romantic storyline <laughs> all the way there. Thank you so very much for your time, for your insights. Really, really appreciate it.
Absolute pleasure. Thanks. Good luck, France. <laughs> yes, the boy. Love it. Oh, fair play. We'll be back shortly and we'll be going around the grounds. Now, you may be thinking, my goodness, it's already 6.28 p.m. How on earth are we going to have time for Drive to Survive? The answer, my friends, is before the news, we're not. Went a bit long with Ricky because he was such good chat, and I will take that on the chin. That's poor time management on my part. So we will be moving Drive to Survive to just after the 6.30 news. In the meantime, we are going to go around the grounds, thanks to Juriscape Lawn Seed from PGG Wrightson, or fruit-fed stores. So, around the grounds coming up. I mean, we've all been talking about it, haven't we? FIFA, of course. The World Cup final is on Monday morning. That'll be broadcast live right here on SENZ. 4 a.m. kickoff. So set those alarms nice and early, people. It will be worth it. Argentina v France, an absolute cracker set to ensue. Prior to that, though, as well, Sunday morning, third and fourth playoff, as Mitch spoke about before, uh, that is also likely to have so much passion and so much aggression, I imagine, on the line between Croatia and Morocco, two teams wanting to prove a point, one uh, that has achieved beyond what anyone thought they would achieve, actually two that have achieved beyond what anyone thought they would achieve, uh, because most of us thought Croatia had done its dash at the last World Cup. So that will be another fantastic one to keep an eye out on. Then we head uh, to cricket, the White Ferns, their third one day are against Bangladesh on Sunday. Sadly, the second one was rained out, so fingers crossed they can win this one to clinch that series, or do the Bangladeshis come back and manage to level it up? Stop come laughing! On. I tried, I tried so, so hard to, to be serious about that. No, anyway, at least they've had uh, a good holiday. It'll be great to see uh, who are the White Ferns' best performers at the very least. Oh, come that one me day, if it's uh, Sophie Devine or Susie Bates <laughs> or Amelia Kerr. Or Amelia Kerr. No. Um, Leah Tuhu could have another day out with the ball. You never yeah, know. Well, yeah, to be fair. Yeah. Also, coming up, Aussie South Africa Test Series. I was about to say, yeah, this is the series for the for the White Ferns to pad their stats, and the Aussies have just done it against, against <laughs> the West, West Indies. Indies. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this is going to be massive, right? Um, it's going to be a great series. Mm. Um, South Africa, I think, are going to be far more potent with the ball. Um, really nice stats. So you guys will enjoy my stats today. Um, Steve Smith's averaged against the West Indies. Um, every game he's played against 150 and versus South Africa he's actually got the worst average that he's got is 41 so that just shows the golf in skill of the bowlers <laughs> I yeah. hate the words the worst average he's got is 41, 41. coming out of your mouth I that know. is disgusting I'm not going to rattle off some of our, our that, no our that is revolting I yeah. know no that's we have to end it there. That's around the ground, thanks to PGG Rights and Turf. Ask about Juriscape Lawn Seed from your local PGG Rights and or Fruit Fed store. 6.33 and it is time for Drive to Survive. If you want to be the one who is picking up the TAB voucher today, call in now. We are going to get started. I'm very excited because I'm normally a Friday gal and so I don't often get to be here and to get to witness drive to survive but I obviously listen to it a fair bit uh, and I'm one of those people who does like to yell answers at the radio and I think that's acceptable I also yell answers during the chase on TV because you know we all wow. love we all love a quiz and you know how it so is when you're when baking paper <laughs> container and the chase yeah. there's no nana in you is there Kim no nana in you at all
<laughs> oh no, Grandmother Kim here is up for a quiz. So call in now for Drive to Survive. Uh, $50 TAB voucher, of course, on the line. Uh, and it is Mitch's time to shine as well. This is Drive to Survive. Absolutely is. The time for me to shine, Kim. You're absolutely right. We are doing Drive to Survive. A $50 TRB bonus bet is on the line for our winner today. While those callers come in, uh, we've got a pretty easy one today. If you do have the opportunity to quickly go back and have a listen to uh, our chat with Ricky Herbert, you might have heard a couple of teams that may have done all right in the World Cup in the past. So that might be a key for one of your last questions. I know I give away the answers. I just get excited. I want to give away some cash to you. So we will go to the lines, and we are going to start with Ed. Oh, no, we're going to Zaid. Zaid, he's just dropped off there quickly. He's back in the list. Zaid, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, uh, good evening, Mitch. Looking forward to the heat tonight. I was just, I, you know what, mate? You actually beat me to that. I, th- I knew you were going to say that, and there was going to be my opening line to you. Colin Munro, what yep. do you think he's going to be a top run scorer? Hopefully, yeah. I've got money on it already. Have you? Yep. $4.50, wasn't it? And I've got, uh, I've got money on the Brisbane Heat as well. So, oh, yeah. good. Double it up. Well, I hope it's a good night for you up there in Cairns. Uh, Renegades, and hopefully Finch continues that vein of form, eh? Hopefully Finch gets nothing like he usually does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're bang on, Zane. Love it. Love the heat. All right, mate, we'll get into it. Lap one. Who has the NZ Breakers have had, uh, had their match against... Oh, my gosh. Kim... <laughs> I'm coming in here. the Perth Wildcat. Hey! You didn't even need the question. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, and I have not been drinking. I'm, which is actually probably more disappointing. Um, okay, Zay, we're on to the second question. Who has been appointed the new New Zealand captain of the Black Caps test side? Tim Salvey, the, the sexy camel. The sexy camel, that is indeed. And do you know why it's called the sexy camel? Camel toe? <laughs> <laughs> So, hey, the old moose knuckle, the old camel toe. That's bloody brilliant. That, do you know what? I actually don't know. So that could be it, Zade. That, and that might be, it might be a, a what is it, a trufer? Truma? Truma now. Thanks, Zade. That was outstanding. On to question number three. How many goals did France score in their semi-final win over Morocco this morning? Two. Which former English cricketer is recovering from a crash while filming Top Gear? Oh, um, Flintoff. Yeah, very sad. Uh, fingers crossed for a recovery there. Uh, and that doesn't, uh, any car crashes, uh, not great. But, yeah, old Freddie, it's not ideal. We are on to lap number two. We are going to, into a cricketing question here, Zade. So you get this wrong, I'll be disappointed. Uh, Chris would get this if he was here on the line. Who is the lone uncapped player named in the Black Caps test squad to face Pakistan? Jimmy Neesham. This is the worst oh, form oh, of oh. that I have ever seen. Zaid! Zaid! What a shocker, son. Okay, we will move on to the next one. We have Tim on the line. Tim, how are you? Very well. Did you, did you, hear, you heard that question or would you like me to repeat it? Uh, I think it's clear. Check that. 
It is indeed, it is indeed, it is Blair Tickner. Bang, oh yeah, well, there it is. Nice delay on the little buzzer there. Blair Building Tickner suspense. indeed, Chris's favourite player of all time. Uh, who is the lone representative taking part in the World Darts Championship? New Zealand. Uh, Rob. Uh, is it Rob Thompson? Ooh. Front left tires. Yeah, you can see it's starting to shred. Man, that was close. Uh, I was almost going to give it to him. Oh, hard luck, Tim. Hard luck, In Tim. In fact, I think if Tim didn't say anything, we, we probably, probably would have given just... it. Probably would have. Hard luck, Tim. Sorry, mate. We are moving on to Ed. How are you, Ed? Oh, I'm good, man, but I don't know them. I'm sorry, bro. Oh, don't you? Well, Rob was a good start. Oh, the big rig? Yeah. What's his first name? Oh, Manaya's oh, feeling good. Or was that Ben Francis reaching over and touching the buzzer? Ben pumped his first. He that did. triggered me to hit the button. The big rig. You're right. You're right, Ed. You do know who he is, don't you? Okay. We'll take nicknames. That's outstanding. Nice, Ed. Good stuff. Uh, well, last one of lap two. Which NBA team is tied at the top of the Western Conf- Conference alongside the New Orleans Pelicans? Western Conference. Oh, bad time for the uh, Wi-Fi to drop out. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Two, one. I like it. I know what you're doing there, I know what you're doing. You are those fingers can't type it off. Stay on the line, mate. You might get another crack at it. We are going back to Simon. Simon stayed on the line? Yep. There you okay, go. Bit of time for redemption. Uh... Who, which NBA team is tied at the top of the Western Conference alongside the New Orleans Pelicans? Is it um, the Memphis Grizzlies? It is indeed. It is indeed. So our last question, our last question, or our last question, our only question in lap number three, name one of the nations who have won back-to-back FIFA World Cups. Um, is it Brazil? Oi, oi, oi. Oi, well done, mate. Well done. And that, that chant will be going around Alec Pelly this weekend with Ben, Rob, the big rig, will be at the World Darts Championship. Well done, mate. Uh, are you going to go 50-50 on this World Cup final with this 50 bucks, or you got something else in mind? Yeah, I've, I've always picked France all the way through, but I'm not so sure now. Argentina looking pretty good. Well, you got to go bit... down the middle, back a draw maybe. Yeah. 90 minutes. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, that's not a bad yeah. shout. If you've already got some money on France, you can just, uh, you know, negate the losses of France win, I, I lose, I guess. Yeah. Cover yourself, eh? Yeah, cover yourself, mate. That's the word. That's the word. Well <laughs> done, mate. Well done. You have a cracker and enjoy the final this weekend. I know your money's probably going on that. Yeah. Cheers, Mitch. Thank you, mate. Easy as that, Kim. Easy as that. Fifty dollars given away thanks to the TAB here on Drive to Survive. How was that? You enjoy that? I did enjoy that actually. That I mean, good fun. I, I kind of wish I didn't have the answers in front of me so that I could have played along in my head a little bit. But <laughs> yep. aside from that, I wonder: Do you think I'll ever be entrusted with leading Drive to Survive? No, no. This is the one thing that you lead the whole show, like Kirst does, and it's the oh. one like little moment we get. So <laughs> don't steal, don't steal the sparkle out of my afternoon, okay? It's no disrespect to you, Kim, and in fact, no disrespect to you either, Mitch. This is just a way of tricking Beaver into doing more work. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair, fair, fair. Do you think he's actually, I feel like he's he's smart enough to be across that. I don't think it's tricking him anymore. I is think he? he's just had to, <laughs> I think he's just had to accept 
that actually every now and then a wee, a wee well, segment, you, a 10-minute segment of the we, show we is will him know. alone. We, we will know because if he's heard that you're happy to do it, We'll know next Friday. Oh, that's well. No, we don't, do it, don't do it on Friday. Because yeah. it's Beaver's best. Although mm. he did try to offload some of the picking to me for Beaver's best yeah, at one uh, stage. Beaver's best, another way to trick him into doing more work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I've I've given up. The World Cup has just ruined me for my betting optimism. To be perfectly honest. Uh, because I just, I can't pick him. I can't pick him. I don't think many people have been able to, to be fair. One interesting, I heard Staffy say the other day, Kim, was um, he said generally in a semi-final, if the underdog wins, um, from his time working at TV, if the underdog mm. wins, um, people will put the money that they won on the other underdog to win. But if the favourite wins, they'll put the money on the favourite. Oh. Which is they won't go favourite underdog or underdog favourite. So we're all just little lemmings, really, yeah, aren't we? Be. Yeah, he said, like, yeah, fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Recency bias, isn't it? <laughs> it's yeah. recency bias. That's worse. I thought it was going to be a, if the underdog wins the semi-final, they'll put the money on the other team for the final. Because that makes sense to me, because it, it's kind of like the underdog team plays their final in the semi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my that's but my like England standard and the Rugby World Cup? Exactly, yep. exactly. Played their final against New Zealand and then... Part of it is, I know that they they must, you know, they obviously they do set the odds at a, a price that entices you into mm. putting a bet on that, you know. So that's, I think they, like obviously they're aware of it. If, if Staff was saying he's aware of it, yeah. um, then they're like, oh, why don't you jump on this other underdog? They'll probably come in too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the psychology behind it. That's hey, fascinating. Yeah. yeah. TAB science. Don't play Sports poker with Pomwari. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. You're with the run home with Kim and Mitch, although, say the run home, I feel like we're sprinting rapid pace towards the end of the show at the moment. Chris has texted in, uh, who Mitch has been talking to quite a bit around the bowling stocks uh, for the Black Caps and who should be in this test touring squad for Pakistan. Great analysis, Mitch. I was politely trying to say that I didn't rate BT, being Blair Tickner, and surely we had better options. We have yes, uh, we have estimated Red Bull bowlers ending their career that are going to play. Surely a young up-and-comer with a bit more pace uh, would be a better option. Why bring another 30-something medium pacer when we already have two better ones in the squad. New Zealand cricket really needs to be a bit more progressive and not so risk-adverse. Yeah, it's um, yeah. Um, we've spoken about this before, but it's just um, the young guys coming through, I think they're probably starting to see that white ball's a way forward and they don't play want to play as much red ball cricket. Um, and when they do, they're either game on, game off. Mm. It's more about trying to get themselves ready for the super smash, which, in all honesty, like as soon, the sooner... Um, New Zealand cricketers realise that Super Smash internationally to get picked for the IPL or anything like that doesn't mean anything. It mm. actually doesn't. They don't even watch it. Um, it's not even on the radar. Sooner they realise that, then the more emphasis they'll put on like trying to play test cricket or one day one day cricket and stuff like that. So yeah, um, yeah, I think it's interesting. I'd love to see a few more young guys because that's where I learned most of my cricket, like white ball cricket, mm. was bowling truckloads of overs in first class cricket and trying to find different ways to get wickets at different points of the innings. So it's something that's super important, and you probably – sounds bizarre hearing it from me. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, you've got to bowl and bowl and bowl and bowl and, and don't rest, and, yeah, you'll break. But um, these young guys coming through who bowl gas um, just need to keep on playing first-class cricket. As long as they don't break. Yeah, but it is what it is. 
Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you break I, I when mean, you're young, to, yeah. and then and then generally you'll get stronger, like your body gets stronger. Um, and if you can't hack it, you break more times. Yeah, you break the body early, uh, get to 26, 27, and you don't break it again. So but you do keep on breaking it if you don't break it. <laughs> you keep on pr- protecting yourself. So, uh, Speaking of breaking, here's a text that's breaking the mould. You like that? Uh, when it comes to our FIFA World Cup picks for the final on Monday, France won't win. They eat horse. Argentinians eat beef like us, says Noel. Is that... Do the French eat horse? I'm not sure. I was served horse in France. Were you? Yeah. Yep. I I was I was served horse sashimi in Japan. I um did not eat it. Well, my mum told me that she spoke French, so she ordered it and was just like, "You should get this." And then uh, found out afterwards, and I googled it on my phone. I was like, "Yeah, that was a horse." um, That I ate there, and it came out uh, raw. Lovely. Yeah, and then so it was like sashimi, and and I was like, oh, could you cook that? And like I had to mime to them. <laughs> could, could you? Cook? Could you go and cook it? Oh, Jeez. and there's nothing the French love more than you telling them how to cook something. So they took it back, spat in it, cooked it very briefly, but it was still raw. And um, yeah, awful. I mean, it's a it's a very traditional meat in a lot of cultures. Uh, Argentine steak though, can't oh. go past it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and should mention as well this message and address actually one of the. Elephants in the room. Uh, Craig has texted him, forget White Lotus, it's the denouement of the 12 days of Sportsmas that I am looking forward to. Now, we haven't managed to get around to a 12 days of Sportsmas uh, of late or today because we've just been too busy. But the 12 days of Sportsmas will be back tomorrow. What are we up to? How about the vocab of Craig? Craig has a... Denouement. The denouement. Uh, we are up to five, uh, which in the song is five golden rings, which I oh, think we course. should do five golden medals. But, uh, but do you need, in order to sing it, do you need a one-syllable word? No, okay. uh, because medals is a two-syllable word. So <laughs> so we'll be going with medals. Um, yeah. Okay, get your thinking caps on then. Your fa- so what, the best of the gold medals, there are so many, the best of the gold medals. I know. And, uh, That's tough. Given that tomorrow's our last show uh, as the run home, we probably need to do four, three, two and one as well. <laughs> okay. Find so out where we land tomorrow so, at four. So we've got five of the 12 days of sportsmas happening mm. in one day. Is that what you're telling me? I thought we had a Gosh, show I'm next glad week. I'm, not, I'm glad I'm not on the show tomorrow. Oh, wait, I am. <laughs> Good luck. That's That'll be the last time right. we see you, so Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas to you too, Mitch. Yeah. Lovely working with you this year. Hope to see more of you next year. More fiery cricket takes, surely. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll be right. We'll be right. See how we go in Pakistan. (laughs) Give me some ammo. Exactly. (laughs) See see who gets bold and see how well they perform and see what their airspeed is, which I'm uh, quickly, quickly learning. It's crucial. I'll be dropping that at the next uh, well, the next game I watch. Yeah, likewise. Need a bit more airspeed. Sitting, <laughs> sitting on the couch next to some fellow sport reporters, I'm not sure about his airspeed. Not sure if it works. Have a great night and see you tomorrow.